Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and we might have a prospective event for the next iPhone 14. We're going to talk about that and some of the changes in iOS 16, as well as Apple Podcast updates, an AirTag story, and a lot more. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. You'll hear about our friends in a moment. And joining me is, of course, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? It is going brilliantly, superbly. I'm over COVID. Everything is fantastic. Oh, Bring the event on. Yes. <laughs> I was going to ask if, if you're over it and uh, you've been to the Brompton Apple Store or no, no, is that not right? <laughs> I, uh, I was on my way and uh, mm. it's one of the post-COVID, you know, you're kind of up and down. Suddenly, sure. I was down a bit. So, you know, one has to be responsible not yet, not and yet. mature about these things. <laughs> I understand. Well, well, you've gotten better just in time because, as I just mentioned, we might have a date for the next iPhone. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. We have some friends to thank. Half of them from your neck of the woods, actually. All right. Excellent. We have five-star reviews from Sparhawk401 from Great Britain. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to mix okay. with Sparhawk401. Oh, Such a reputation. Oh, <laughs> Shady character. I tell you. Well, frankly, <laughs> okay. you know. Oh, I see. Okay, well, never mind. And then P. Marriott from the USA. Morning Bell 5 from Great Britain. You might know him. Now, he, he has a special request. <laughs> he said, as a fellow Brit, he says, hi, William. He addressed you directly in his, his five-star review. And why am I worrying about this? But okay, yeah. Well, he he's, he's saying, will you promise to watch Ted Lasso when Apple releases the Apple car? He's trying to pin you down, William. <laughs> if Apple releases an Apple car in our lifetime, will then, will you watch Ted Lasso? Yeah, I think is there a way that I can be checked up on. Uh, yes, <laughs> I will watch Ted Lasso in an Apple car. Oh, yes. It will be the first <laughs> thing I do. Okay. Now, did you did you watch that uh, dart scene that I sent you a YouTube link to? Yes, I did. Yes, it was fine. What, what did you think of that scene? Yeah, it was fine. It was good. Yeah, it wasn't as clunky as some of the stuff I'd seen before. It, yeah, it was, Okay. Know, it worked. That's positive motion. That's positive yeah, motion that's forward. True. Okay. Oh, well, I'm, I'm down for that. Okay. William said it was fine. Yes. <laughs> A glowing review of Ted Lasso's, at least one scene. Can you imagine cast and crew at Ted Lasso go, phew, William Gallagher thinks it's fine. I, you know, I, I think they probably have to have a sit down if they ever found that out. They'd be really... So it's going to celebrate. Yeah. It's going to be a bigger <laughs> celebration than the Emmy, I'm sure, or the multiple oh, Emmys easily. they have won yes. for their TV show, William. Yeah. Not that you would know. But anyway. Uh, also, a Mick Mix Master from the USA. That's a lot of Mick Mixes. I think I got it right. So thank you all for those five-star reviews. Was that you, Secretly, Mick Mixmaster, do you DJ on the weekends that I don't know about, William? Yes. Um, do you know what DJing is? <laughs> Are you familiar? I used to work in BBC local radio, you know. We had DJs. They were actual people. Once I was on a train from London back home to Birmingham, and on the seat opposite me, a set of four seats on a table, there were four local radio DJs, and they were tr it was like they were on a show. They were trying to out-talk each other for two hours. For the first ten minutes, it was hilarious. And, oh, <laughs> God, you wanted to kill by the end. It was unbearable. Oh, that's what that's wonderful all right oh well thank you for those five-star reviews keep them coming and now we have to talk about this supposed iphone event mark german of course from bloomberg many leaks and rumors over the years pretty good track record i would say he says that the iphone event will be on september 7th which is a Wednesday, which a Wednesday. So some people are a little skeptical of that, but Apple has had iPhone events and other events on a Wednesdays, not just Tuesdays or Mondays. So it's possible Wednesday, September 7th, this will be the iPhone 14 Apple Watch Series 8. And I'd be curious what you think might also be announced at this event. I'm hoping finally AirPods Pro 2 
make an appearance at this event. Ming-Chi Kuo also got on Twitter and corroborated this idea of an early iPhone event. One of the reasons possibly being trying to get ahead of any kind of recession that may or may not be coming and Apple wanting basically everybody to buy new iPhones before the recession hits, which is an interesting motivation, but I could see that being a thing. But if that's the case, September 7th iPhone event, that means Apple event invites typically go out a week early. So that would be mm. August 31st. So we could be just two weeks away, really a week and five days away from our next Apple event invite. I'm very excited for that, William. I can't wait. Yes. You don't think Apple thinks we've done 13 iPhones. That's enough for now. Really? <laughs> Considering it's their biggest profit making machine. I, I don't think they've stopped the iPhone. I think they're going to keep uh, doing Apple it. Apple doesn't do this for money, does it? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of altruistic reasons <laughs> Apple makes products, but money is definitely one of them. So, so anyway, what could we expect? So iPhone 14, we've done rumor roundups in the past really quickly. The big standout feature supposedly for this new model is going to be an always on display on the iPhone 14 Pro, also sporting that new pill and hole punch style rather than a notch at the top, possibly 48 megapixel camera. First time megapixels will have been updated since the iPhone 6 6S, I believe. Always on display, where you might have those widgets. Again, lock screen code has been found that really points to an always on display being a new feature this year. I would also throw in there, we don't have any evidence for this, but cinematic mode being 4K, I think that would be a likely feature, at least for the Pro models. And the other rumors were that the A16 chip, which is the next series in the A chip, would only go to the Pro models and the regulars, quote unquote, iPhone 14s would stay on the A15 chip. But the iPhone 14 regular will also get a plus size. So the lineup would be iPhone 14 and 14 plus, 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max. And that's what we're expecting. Have I missed anything, William? Is there anything that you were hoping for that I did not mention? No, I, just, I'm, I don't think we're going to see cinematic mode improve because uh, apple has this really has this weird kind of schizophrenic thing that they do cinematic mode and they do that thing of being able to film from uh, multiple lenses at once and it's all everything a filmmaker would really really want but they only do it at 1080p so no filmmaker's going to use it and i don't know why they keep doing that and it's been what iphone 11 that they introduced the multiple camera shooting and they haven't improved it yet so i don't think cinematic mode's going to get any better any so it's very clever it's fun but it's no use so well you know i will play a little bit of devil's advocate what's the british version of devil's advocate actually we have devil's advocate as well yeah devil gets everywhere advocates oh, a lot of I things yeah <laughs> okay yeah the devil's cue or the devil's poppers that those are words you guys use over there right cue yeah. and poppers well 100 sure what a popper is i feel like i should know oh, really? i'm thinking i just mispronounced advocates advocates what i should have said what are you doing oh, to my accent yeah beta beta yeah i'm finally influencing that that british accent yeah what do, what do you call when you wear a shirt that you have to close with something what do you call those things that you use to close it uh properly dressed i think that's uh the phrase oh no no <laughs> the the actual mechanism that you have to do multiple times on that shirt what do you call that uh we have buttons not buttons. Oh, yeah, buttons. buttons. Yeah, we do have buttons and occasionally cufflinks. Uh, Velcro, yeah, if you're into certain... <laughs> Velcro. <laughs> this is going down strange, strange directions. But anyway... I'm not sure what kind of attire you have over there. I thought buttons were called poppers over there. 
I thought you guys called them poppers. I have a feeling a popper is a particular type of button that kind of clicks into place. So rather than oh, threading through a hole in the shirt, that it kind of, there's uh, like a little grip mm. or something. But clearly I don't mix in the right circles. Like when you have pajamas that have the flap on the back, is that what you call poppers? I have no idea what pajamas with flaps on the back. You don't know what I'm talking about? Why do you use flap on the back pajamas? Like the kid pajamas? No. Okay. Oh, well, okay. Now I have to send you a quick image. That's really, really fine. I feel no yeah. no call to expand my knowledge. You've never seen the... Okay, anyway, it's it's supposedly so you don't have to remove the onesie in order to uh, use the loo, as you guys say over there. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. God, okay. You've got to be in a hurry to not pull your trousers <laughs> down when you go to the... Okay, oh, sorry. Yes, I think the word we're looking for is anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, iPhone 14, iPhone 14. So supposedly September 7th event. Now, Apple Watch Series 8... I'm really curious what is going to be the pitch of the Apple Watch Series 8. We had heard previously that there could be a temperature sensor built in as a new health monitor, but that it's not going to get a redesign. It's not going to have the flat sides that were rumored now almost two years ago, I think. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what would tempt me. I mean, Apple doesn't have to do much to tempt me to upgrade a device, <laughs> but I'm curious. The 6 to 7, while initially it was said, oh, the bigger screen really is not a big deal. It's not that much bigger. I have found that the Series 7 was an upgrade as far as the display goes for that. And the fast charging, I have found to actually been really useful uh, for the Apple Watch. And so I would say now a year later, Apple Series 7 to 6, there was significant upgrades. Depending on how much you have to spend on an upgrade, if you're doing the aluminum or the expensive titanium, your mileage may vary how worth it it is. But I've appreciated those updates. Didn't you? You had a Series 7 as well, right? Yes. And I agree about the screen. It didn't the also the always on get improved? It's slightly brighter. Yes, than it I, is. I believe it used to be. I didn't have one of the previous ones, but no, I really like. I really like the always on. I really like the screen. I'm not at all concerned about the fast charging, just because of the way I I do wear the watch overnight to wake me up early in the morning. But then I'm at my desk, so I just pop it on and actually forget about it for a few hours. I, I'm again. I'm curious what the Series Eight will bring. New materials could be a possibility, and of course, the ruggedized Apple Watch mm. we've heard rumored or Apple Watch Extreme could be a new material, more durable. That might be actually the Pro Watch, but I'm really curious how they position all these watches because previously the most expensive ones have been titanium. I would love for them to bring back a ceramic Apple Watch. Did you ever get to see or no. hold one of the ceramic Apple Watches? No, but then I'm also one of those people that without really trying manages to take care of his watch, whereas you are the one. You're <laughs> going to need rugged for just walking around your house, aren't you? So that you're the target. I, I do it. I, honestly, I think of you, William, every time I hit my watch on a door frame. Oh, every, every time. time every hour. <laughs> okay. It happens at least a couple times a week. I'm walking through a doorway. I don't know. Maybe I'm just swinging my arms uh, like, orangutan style i'm not sure what's going on but the the watch just hits. you're remembering to open the door no, no, the, no door is open, that... the door is okay, open the door just, the door frame know, I'm, is I'm there. running through the list here <laughs> no, it is there and I, I hear it ding you know i will say the titanium has stood up pretty good a year later there are noticeable scratches i never garnered the courage to try and bring like a wire brush or some other kind of abrasive material to buff out the scratches. Never could bring myself to do that. But overall, it looks pretty good. Scratches are not super noticeable, especially on the brushed titanium, which is actually why I like the titanium. The stainless steel looks great. It's very durable, has the sapphire display, but the stainless steel does show more scratches, I think, just because of the polished, shiny finish. So anyway, I'm very curious what materials they're going to use in the Series 8, what new features they try to sell us on, besides a temperature sensor. You know, I'm faster charging? Yeah. Or 
for more battery life. You know, I'm not sure what they could do there. I just looked at my watch, which is one of the cheapest possible. Is that uh, aluminum, as you call it? There isn't a pixel of a scratch what? on this after years of stuff. Maybe you've been conned into buying the more expensive materials, and those are the ones that scratch more. <laughs> I I start to believe that. No, no, no. I know because the display on the aluminum, that Ionex glass, if I were to wear one of those, that glass would be have cracks all over it because of how I hit it. But the sapphire display on the stainless steel and titanium, the display is flawless. That I can say it holds up the best. Sapphire doesn't have a single scratch on it on mine, even the many doorways that it has greeted as I walked through. It is uh, still in great condition. Stephen. Oh, yes. Is this a cry for help? No, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm not sure why I do it. it. It's some weird gate, I guess, that I walk with. I'm not sure. I, that's my feelings about the Series 7 year later. I'd be curious because you upgraded from a 12 to 13. I did as well. Hmm. What's your year in review of the iPhone 13? Are you glad you upgraded way back when? Is Yes, I am. Um, I went to 11 to 12 to 13, and each time you're thinking, it doesn't seem like that big a difference, but each time I've been very pleased that I have. I Right now, I, I don't really know if I can mentally justify a 14 after it. Maybe I'll see what the trade-in price is and evaluate the iPhone upgrade program, but I'm not yeah, well, right now, today, I'm not <laughs> yeah, rushing yeah. to buy the 14. You know what it's like. After the event, I'll be on the order page looking away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, and the, the standout feature of the 13 Pro, there was the ProMotion upgrades to the camera, which were all welcome. I remember the camera module. If you had a 12 Pro going to a 13 Pro, that camera module looks so much larger. Mm. But I'm down. I mean, if you get better pictures, better video, I love the camera on the 13 Pro. I really like the ProMotion. I feel like ProMotion on the 13 Pro and my iPad Pro accentuated the iPad Mini's lack of ProMotion, but not a Mac. You know, I, I just got the studio display, which I talked about last week. Now that I've been using it for over a week, I love the studio display. It looks great. Never bothers me that it doesn't have ProMotion. I don't know if it's just because the much larger screen or the work that I'm doing, even in Final Cut, as I scroll around, doesn't bother me that it doesn't have ProMotion or XDR. Although I will say, side note, I was editing images in Lightroom on my iPad because I, I like using Lightroom on the iPad specifically. I was editing images there and then I moved the image over to my studio display and there was a marked difference in color between my iPad Pro and the studio display. And it's probably something going on with like true tone. I guess there's like true motion, oh, true, yeah. tone. No, true yeah. tone. And also the XDR on the iPad Pro 12.9 inch versus the not XDR studio display, but it was an interesting color difference. And then putting it to my iPhone, my iPhone matched closer to the iPad Pro color in that single image than on the studio display. So that was an interesting point of information. And I understand now why Apple has added that reference mode to the iPad, especially if you're a video editor, maybe you have a studio display, but you really want a reference monitor. The iPad Pro might be good for that, using that as your reference and that'll be macOS Ventura and iPadOS 16 when it comes. So I'm happy I upgraded too. Of course, I buy every new iPhone, but... I'm wondering sometimes, uh, I don't think I appreciate ProMotion. I mean, I have a 13 Pro and I understand it's on there, but and it seems fast, but I don't know that I, I, I'm i not as um, excited by it as other people. I feel like um, I'm effectively colorblind or something in it. I don't see the dramatic effect that other people tell me about. So. Well, see, I'm wondering if like me, your iPhone has it, 
your iPad Pro has ProMotion, and you got one of the new 14-inch MacBook Pros as well, right? That's true. So I'm all ProMotioned out. Oh. You have ProMotion on everything except for your 50-inch monitor for your Mac, which, like I have said, I don't notice the lack of ProMotion on there. But I would be curious if you were to look at an iPhone 12 or 11 and do some scrolling if you would notice it after Mm. soaking in ProMotion across all your devices, if you would then notice Great. it. Because I notice it on my iPad. Now. Oh, we'll try that. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, okay. be curious. Be curious. Oh, if you hear a, a voice crying out, like a thousand voices and suddenly silenced, it's because William finally <laughs> saw the difference between ProMotion and mine. That's a very dramatic Star Wars reference for Thank what's going to be. Oh, look. Yeah, that's quicker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. As soon as, as soon, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, minor updates for iOS 15 came out 15.6.1 for iOS and iPadOS and then macOS 12.5.1. No new features, just security and bug fixes, things like that. My sons listened to this podcast, actually, and one of my sons saw the software update and was very excited because he thought it was iOS 16. And, you know, they hear me, you hear me talk about all the features and uh, disappointed it was just a point one update with no new features. Security bug fixes, always welcome. You can update that. Also, new betas, uh, developer beta 6 is out and public beta 4. If you do want to jump onto iOS 16 a little early, the betas are pretty stable, I will say. I'm not running it on my iPhone yet as, as much as many of you on Twitter are pressuring me into trying to put the beta on my phone. I'm not doing it because now I only got what, like three weeks to wait, mm. probably because iOS 16 usually ships the week the iPhone launches. So I got three weeks and then I'll just get the uh, public release. Typically, when we're this close, you'll see weekly updates for the betas. So they're updated pretty often. Have you felt pretty good about the betas recently? The latest beta is pretty secure and stable for you? Yeah, except I got a bit annoyed. I updated my iPad. I finally put my iPad onto it because I needed to for a particular feature. And I, I use a set of mics called a smart mic, which uh, is uh, by far the best and by far the worst microphones I've ever used. There is just, they are so <laughs> flaky and the app is so bad, but the sound quality when it works is so good. And the app just won't work on my iPad. So mm. I had to dig out an old phone carry on with things i'm sure they'll update well i hope they'll update i'm reasonably <laughs> sure they'll update you'll hope so yeah yeah so I'm, I'm looking forward to that we have a great roundup article this is wes he put it together the ultimate guide on how to customize your iphone running ios 16 he goes through all the different lock screen wallpaper focus modes and customizations you can do once ios 16 has launched so we'll put a link in the show notes for that. You can check it out. I'm very excited to customize all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, remind me, did you put the beta on your phone or not? Yes, I did. Uh, I was trying to oh, prove a point to myself for a review about macOS. So uh, I took that shot in the course of finding out the answer to something. And uh, apart from the fact that smart mics won't work with it, and I had a back bad patch where i couldn't answer the phone that was pretty bad that's a bad that's bug. gone otherwise everything is very good on it and i've been very happy i kept liking it so much that i kept thinking i've got to put it in my ipad as well but i resisted and i wish i'd resisted slightly longer but you know otherwise mm. very pleased so with yeah. your iphone what have you landed on as far as customizations and like your lock screen and things like that have you mm. done some widgets you put some customizations on that or how does it change depending on focus mode what have you done 
Yeah, I have it. I, I thought I would never change my backdrop. I have a blue glass close-up photograph that I love. It's my wallpaper on everything. But on my iPhone now, I have the weather version so that it changes depending on the weather you've got. I know I could just turn and look out of the window, but it's still very nice to have it there with this gorgeous <laughs> animation. And yeah. uh, I, I'm fiddling with the widgets in it. Um, I have my exercise rings. I have a weather thing. For, we've been having severe weather heat issues here, so I've left that one on there for a while. I've tried adding OmniFocus's sort of quick launch thing for it. I haven't settled on what I want for that, but I do. I'm using focus modes more, and there's one I use where uh, a writing mode for about an hour, of five or six in the morning, I turn that on and it changes the wallpaper to something else. It blocks off everything, changes my Mac, my iPhone, iPad, all that stuff. And I find that yeah. really quite satisfying. I'm most excited for this lock screen changes, updating with focus mode and focus filters. I, I really cannot wait for focus filters just for the male focus filters yeah. where you can turn on or off inboxes that appear in your all inboxes list, depending on focus filter. And I am really hoping, I don't know if the guys are fantastic Cal listen to the show, but if you do with FlexiBits team would love for fantastic Cal to support focus filters because there is a third party API applications can plug into it and the ability to turn on or off specific calendars or calendar sets, depending on focus mode would be such a big deal because I don't know about you, William, but I'm really trying to, when I'm not in work mode, like when I actually have a weekend off, I am trying to not be able to see any work stuff. I have a focus mode that enables, starts Friday night at like 11 p.m., goes through Sunday. And once the email focus filters are live, I don't have to worry about seeing any emails. Slack goes silent, so I don't see any of that. But every once in a while, you have to look at your calendar still, sometimes on the weekends because you have family stuff or even just leisure activities. And sometimes when I go into that calendar app, Fantastical, you see a meeting invite and it's like meeting invite from Monday at 9 a.m. And it's like, it's not a big deal, but I would love to not even see that. You know, I would just hmm. love to be able to filter the entire and all of the devices, Mac, iPad, iPhone, whatever, to only see work stuff during work times and family and leisure stuff during, you know, weekends and leisure time. So I'm very excited for that. I'm, I'm hoping that Fantastical supports focus filters and It'd be great if many apps do it. And so is OmniFocus actually supporting some of those iOS 16 features already? Oh, OmniFocus adopts everything straight away. It's terribly impressive how deep those apps go into these things. I love Fantastical, actually, but I'm just, I have a syncing problem at the moment. And, um, you know, you talk to their support and it's one of those cases where support asks you a couple of questions and you think, that's exactly what I just said to you in the question in it and this isn't going to take this is going to take a long time isn't it so i've actually been putting up with a sinking problem rather than schlep through this again it's weird too because sometimes like i use apple's icloud calendars do you use their the apple mm -hmm. calendars too yes it's weird if you have two-factor enabled which most people probably do because apple really encourages you to do it you can't even do some things if you don't have two-factor enabled but with the calendar specifically you need to do the app specific passwords if you want to use your iCloud calendars in a third-party application like Fantastical. And sometimes those one-time passwords get a little wonky, especially when you're using a service like Fantastical that tries to sync your calendars across your devices. So when you use Fantastical, you have a Fantastical login. And when you log in with that Fantastical account, typically uses like your the first calendar account you add, like if it's your Gmail, it'll use that to sync between all the Fantastical apps. It will try to move that to all your devices and keep it all in sync. But one-time passwords, you need to create a new one for each device that you're running Fantastical on. 
and it can get a little complicated. And, it, and it's just it's not just Fantastic Cal. There are other applications that have to do the one-time password deal if you're trying to use your iCloud Mail or other things in, in third-party apps. So it gets it gets a little wonky. It's it's not an easy problem to fix, I'm sure. So September 7th, again, stay tuned to AppleInsider.com. Any news that comes out about that event, trust me, we will be covering it. And announcements might go out as early as August 31st. So keep your eyes peeled. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Let me tell you, we have had a Helix Sleep mattress now for almost two years. And I didn't tell her to say this. I didn't ask her anything. But my wife laid down on that mattress recently and she said, man, this is the most comfortable mattress I've ever slept on. That's no exaggeration. And listen, we've moved recently. So we've slept on multiple mattresses in different locations. And we always want to come back to our Helix Sleep mattress. Here's why. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, mattresses for big and tall sleepers, and mattresses made just for kids. And what makes it special is Helix gets to know you and your body when you take the Helix Sleep Quiz on their website, and you can find the perfect mattress in under two minutes. And that personalized mattress is shipped right to your door free of charge. And the best thing is there's a 100-night risk-free trial, so you can try out your Helix mattress, see how it feels, decide if you want to keep it or not, and if you want, you can return it for a full refund, but I know you're not going to return that thing. There are models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz. I like laying on my side. It asks you how you like to sleep, what firmness, soft, medium, or firm. I go for medium in the middle, and it matched me with the Helix Plus mattress. And again, me and my wife absolutely love it. Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10- to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And again, you can try it out for a 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't like it, but I know you will. Helix was awarded the number one mattress pick by GQ and Wired Magazine, and it's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. So Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash appleinsider. With Helix, better sleep starts now. That's helixsleep.com slash appleinsider. The link is in the show notes as well. Our thanks to Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. Now, Apple Podcasts had some news. They've actually been updating some of their tools for creators. You can create social media posts for shows and episodes and now even full channels through the Apple Podcast dashboard. And now they've actually added a new top charts. And I find this really interesting because Apple Podcasts is offering more and more data to creators that you cannot get from just a podcast host or even like Spotify. And if even if you're host to your podcast with Anchor, you get so much data from Apple Podcasts now. They now have top charts for paid subscriber shows and channels. So you can see what are the top 100 shows with paid supporters and the top channels. It was just released yesterday as you listen to this Thursday, August 18th. And Apple Insider's in the top 100. Thank you all for supporting the show there. We are number 86 all right. of all paid channels in Apple Podcasts. Apple Insider is number 86 out of 100. All right. That's all genres, all paid channels. It's wonderful. So thank you all okay. for supporting. And what's great is you don't make the top charts just by the number of paid subscribers or the money that you make. It's actually also takes in engagement listen time and listen completion into account for each show. And so we might not have as many paid supporters as some of the other shows, but because you guys are awesome and listen to the entire episode, you engage with episodes regularly. That's what puts shows in these top paid channels charts. So really cool. Thank you all, first of all, for helping us get there. And it's really cool. Also fascinating in these new paid charts, 
the top shows, like top three to five shows, many of them are Amazon original shows. Many of them are Amazon original shows, not Amazon exclusive, but produced by Amazon. If you remember, Amazon bought Wondery, the podcast production house. And so shows like Smartless, Morbid, Something Was Wrong, those shows are actually dominating this Apple podcast subscriber chart. And I think this is incredibly serendipitous because Amazon chose to do original shows, but not exclusive to the Amazon app. So you don't have to go to the Amazon music app to listen to these shows. You can listen to an Apple podcast. And I think in a symbiotic relationship, Apple podcast is now showing that Amazon is in the top charts for these. Mm. Unlike shows at Spotify, like Call Her Daddy, Joe Rogan, Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, those are Spotify exclusives. You can only listen in the Spotify app. And of course, they're not going to be included in these charts because you can't listen in the Apple Podcast app. And so I think it is somewhat telling that Amazon can be very successful doing original shows, but not making them exclusive and still have lots of paid supporters, even through Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe in the Wondery app, but clearly they have lots of supporters directly in Apple Podcasts. I think it speaks to the ease of signup. I mean, we have way more paid supporters in Apple Podcasts than on Patreon. And I think it's because the ease of, you know, a couple taps uses the card already mm. connected to your Apple account and you're in. So I thought this was fascinating, very interesting. And uh, thanks for being 86. I know, William, it's, it's really thanks to you. Everybody just really likes hearing what you say. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I appreciate it. Anyway. Wait, there are other podcasts. That's a bit that's throwing me. What are they? Oh, you know, there's just some random ones. You know, the true crimes. Do you want to start a, a true crime podcast, William? We could we could do uh, investigative work. Right, you're channeling only murders in the building again, aren't you? And I don't I don't know the where of that standard. It's, really. it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Those uh those true crime podcasts. But mm. anyway, I think it's it's fascinating. The other cool thing is too. This is both eye opening slash encouraging slash discouraging. And I and, know and that is a very mix of feelings because one of the pieces of data that Apple surfaces for podcast creators is the amount of people that follow a show as opposed to listen to an episode. Hmm. So if I go into the analytics of, let's say, the Apple Insider podcast, the follower number, meaning the number of people who have tapped the little plus button in Apple Podcasts to follow a show, meaning they'll get new episodes downloaded when it comes out. Those episodes will show up and now playing. The amount of followers versus listeners is very different. And it's definitely telling when the news cycle comes around to the iPhone, because once we hit September and October time, we actually get a significant bump in listeners, not followers, but people engaging with every episode as opposed to kind of the rest of the year. It's obvious that the iPhone is still the, the major pull. And so it is encouraging to see how many people follow the show. That's a significant number, but it's a less number for those who listen to every episode. And Apple Podcasts will even give you an engaged listener number, meaning the listeners that listen to the entire episode. So curious data, but awesome that Apple Podcasts gives you those numbers and you really can't get that from other platforms, even your podcast hosting provider or PodTrack or anything like that. So this story was interesting, William. I don't know if you saw it, but AirTags... We actually haven't had him in the news lately. I guess there's been a, a, a slowing down of the hysteria over AirTag. But there was actually a young couple that went to vacation in Portugal. Oh, yeah. They put yes. the AirTags in their suitcases. And when they arrived at the airport, the woman got her piece of luggage, but the guy did not. And for the next five days, as they were vacationing, they tracked the bag using the AirTag that they had placed in the suitcase. And they saw this bag go all over Portugal. 
they posted a TikTok kind of showing all the locations. It went to this warehouse. It went to this other place. It went to the beach at one point yes. for some random reason. And then it ended up back in the airport the day they were departing. And they actually found the bag following the AirTag location throughout the airport. And they recovered the bag. Nothing was missing from the bag. It seemed like it was totally untampered with. But for some reason, <laughs> the bag went on a five-day vacation. Different than the couple. Yes. I thought this was so fascinating. And yeah, I don't even know what to think about that. I mean, what do you think happened? Do you think the, the airline was just misplaced it and it went through the airline warehouses and such? But it went to the beach. I mean, I don't think... Yeah. It's weird. Uh, as well as the beach, though, it actually ended up in someone's house. Right. So I'm wondering, is, is there a uh, baggage handling system where you, you get to drive your van home and it got lost in there or something? It's just... <sighs> the thing that gets me is that presumably this is not new. This is the type of thing that's been going on forever. We've just never been able to know about it until <laughs> right. air tags. There's this, this whole world of lost baggage out there. Uh, this, this could be a Pixar movie. I think this would be a great, you can call it <laughs> luggage or baggage or whatever. But I wonder if someone picked up that bag thinking it was theirs because it looked exactly like their bag. And somehow the clothes within the bag fit the person just like it fit the owner. And it was similar in style and make or whatever than the, the thieves or the miss, you know, they just didn't know they were stealing it. What if they actually just wore the clothes throughout a whole five day vacation and only realized when they returned to the airport that it wasn't their bag? How improbable is that? You're just writing the movie now, aren't you? I'm That's what the you're movie. doing. I said, you're yeah. not going to watch Ted Lasso, <laughs> okay. but maybe you'll watch my movie called Luggage. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to think. I was trying to think Lost. Well, that was already a TV series. Uh, I'll have to think. We'll workshop a the time. The Case of the Missing Luggage. No. The, See what I did there with Case? Is there something with no. Case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Case yeah, Heist yeah, yeah. Right. from... I don't know. We'll workshop the name. Uh, listeners, uh, tweet <laughs> okay. at us your ideas for the, the title of this show featuring air tags and lost luggage. Uh, I would like to know. I'd like to know. Right. The title of something that doesn't exist. Go That's for right. it. Yes. That's right. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm actually, I'm actually sad. I'm actually traveling next week, William, for the first time in like yep. four years, I think, going to wow. podcast movement conference. I'm very excited for this. Uh, let, let me know if any of you Apple Insider listeners are going to be at the Podcast Movement Conference in Dallas. It's August 23rd through 26th, I believe. And we'll be podcasting from there and meeting a bunch of podcast people. So I'm very excited for that. But I'll be traveling for the first time in a while. First time with AirTags. I'm going to put an AirTag in everything, in my backpack, in my suitcase. I'm going to be bringing my AirPods Max for the first time on a plane so I can finally know how good the noise cancellation is on a flight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited to, to try all this stuff out that has been released since COVID and I haven't really got good reason to use it all. And now I do. I'll report back. Yeah. You're more excited by the traveling there than the, the doing the bit in the middle. You, you like going, you like coming back. <laughs> I'm excited for both. I'm excited for both. I get, I have my, my MagSafe battery packs that I can try with my iPhone and, and see how those do on the road or in the air. Very, I'm very excited. It's going to be good. Speaking of TikTok, there was actually an Apple employee that made a TikTok. And the original TikTok was addressing this question that someone had about a text message they received. It seemed like a fishy text message, pun intended, both F-I-S-H-Y and P-H-I-S-H-Y, fishy. You like that, William? Like a, like a phishing scam? Mm -hmm. I saw what you did there. Yes, very good. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. And it was basically threatening, you know, send us your login or whatever, or please remove this device 
from your iCloud account. Otherwise, there'll be some legal action. This was an iPhone that had been lost by the original owner and this mysterious text message came through and this Apple employee gets on TikTok and basically explained the situation saying, what happens is when an iPhone is stolen or lost, it will be bad actors that get a hold of this device. And in order to resell it, it has to be unactivation locked from an iCloud account. Otherwise the device is just locked down. You can't really do anything with it. And so they were sending a text message to the previous owner who had lost the phone to remove the iPhone from their iCloud account. Because when you do that, then the iPhone is unactivation locked and can be resold on the third party market and whoever stole it can make some money. And so this Apple employee got on TikTok, did not say at first that she was an employee at Apple. She said a fruit company, which I don't think any other tech company uh, really, I mean, Blackberry, she's not working for Blackberry. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not, I think that's the only other fruit uh, adjacent company that I could think of. Are there any others? We have Orange here in the, or do we still have Orange? I've forgotten about it. I don't know. Is that a carrier? A cell phone carrier? Yeah, it is or was. I suddenly remember I can't see. I don't know. It's probably been subsumed or I've just forgotten it. One or the other. You still have three over there? Yes. Yes, that's not a confusing name at all, is it? <laughs> when yeah. I visited the UK, I actually bought a SIM card locally because back in the day, that was the cheapest way to do it. You know, get a local SIM card with a data plan rather than pay AT&T or Verizon mm-hmm. $100 a day to use data. Mm. And I remember the, the carrier options were Vodafone. Was it O3 or... or O2. O2, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the choices were Vodafone, O2, and 3. And it was the most confusing choice I think I had made at that point. It's like, why, why do all these carriers insist on a number being um, their main deal. Of course, because Vodafone ends in one, doesn't it? And then there's O2. Exactly, and then exactly. there's two. Oh my uh, God. Wow, you've cracked it. Is that now the, we understand. Is that, is that- is that legit? Is that really a thing? Well, Vodafone, yeah, F-O-N-E. So that's one. Right. And O2. I, I don't know what whether there was an O1 ever, right. but you've seen a pattern I have never true. noticed before. I've never seen it. Anyway, three yeah. as a carrier name is very difficult to, to grok at a distance. I would, I would not name your cell phone carrier a single number. But anyway... Back to this TikTok. She didn't reveal what fruit company she worked for, but she posted this TikTok. It got like several million views because she explained it in depth. She explained it very well. She's very knowledgeable. Then she posted a follow-up TikTok saying, well, I might get fired from my previous TikTok because I gave information out as pretending, like as an employee, I guess, even though she didn't really say that specifically. And her supervisor, I guess, called her in and they're discussing whether or not she's going to be let go. But she has taken advantage of this moment and has posted a bunch of TikToks, really great information about the iPhone and Apple devices. She talked about battery health. She's been talking about, uh, you know, iCloud stuff. People have been asking her questions. And I think she has somewhere near several hundred thousand followers now, maybe. Let me see. Her username on TikTok is Stop It Paris, and she has 467,000 followers. Wow. And she is obviously an Apple employee at the moment. I looked at one of her latest videos in the comments, and she is not sure if she's going to be fired yet or not. But my goodness, Apple, I think you should reposition her as a social influencer for the company. Let her run the Apple TikTok because she is... She throws down excellent information about all the devices. She did great advising the original person and then other people about their Apple devices. So she's a a great personality on it and very, very knowledgeable. So that's an interesting story. I'm not sure what will happen if Apple will let her go or not, but hopefully not. Hopefully they use it. She's she's really good. You're on on TikTok, William, right? 
I am wondering, actually, uh, vaguely, or when I tried it, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm <laughs> suddenly wondering, you have, this reminds me of stories like the Disney Corporation suing like a four-year-old for doing a lemon, lemonade stand with pictures of Mickey Mouse on it. And uh, as, as obviously stupid and wrong as it is, if they didn't, then another company could come along and rip them off and claim precedence for it. So it's like a legal requirement to do the horrible thing. Mm. I don't know that that's the case in this case. I just think it's maybe just not as straightforward as we would might. Yeah, I'm following her on TikTok. I'll let you know if she posts any more mm. content. But she's great. She's a great follow. She's got like hundreds of thousands of views on all her stuff now. So it's pretty cool. Great. All right, let me talk about VPNs really quickly. This this story came from a researcher, Michael Horowitz. He's talking about VPN applications and the iPhone. We've talked about VPNs before. If you didn't know or if you don't use them, you might use a VPN to make it look like you're in a different location for whatever reason, streaming services or otherwise. Or you might want to obscure your internet traffic because you're on a public Wi-Fi network like in a hotel or airport and you want to, quote unquote, make more secure or make more private your internet traffic. Well, Michael is saying in his research that since iOS 13, that in iOS 13 and later, that when you use a VPN on your iPhone, your iPad, and you enable it, previously, before iOS 13, the device would disconnect all connection. It would disconnect all traffic from whatever services it was being pulled from, and then reconnect post-VPN activation to make sure all of those lines of traffic are going through the VPN. Well, iOS 13 and newer, apparently it does not do that. And there could be times when maybe an application is pulling data at the moment. Let's say you're watching a YouTube video in the background. And if you turn on the VPN while that video is still going or whatever other data is streaming, that it won't switch to the VPN connection. It will stay connected to that non-VPN uh, traffic lane or whatever. He's basically saying that VPNs on iOS devices, it's not as secure as maybe they're making it out to be because it doesn't close and reopen those connections. Unknown how private relay functions, again, Apple does not say private relay is a VPN, but private relay does try to obscure your network traffic through different servers acting like a VPN in that sense. Unknown if private relay has the same behavior, whether or not it disconnects and reconnects if you enable it. Uh, unsure, but I thought this was interesting. I've not been using VPNs too often. I've done it a couple times and shown a couple other people, especially when it relates to sporting streaming services. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on VPNs? Do you use VPNs on your devices? Um, because I'm based in the UK and I'm writing about US stuff every now and again, I need to turn one on in order to access uh, uh, the American details or something instead of the British. Uh, so I have one and I use it for that. I can well see if you're an American Netflix subscriber, but you're on holiday in Italy and you want to, you know, you want to keep up with your shows. Netflix Italy won't let you log into your account. But with a VPN, you are. So it lets you go into your own account and do your own thing. And yeah. there are some banks that won't allow uh, overseas access and the VPN does it. And if you're away on holiday and you need your bank, you really need your bank. Right. So being able to let you do that kind of thing. So I think they're very useful. Uh, it's very concerning that this thing appears to have been a bug for two years or so. Right. That's scary but yeah i don't know what happens with ios 16 or if that will be addressed but mm. yeah so maybe if you are really want to be secure and you do like using a vpn maybe force quit an app before you enable the vpn and then making sure it connects through it after you enable the vpn 
might try that. Ooh. Real quick, I wanted to mention Pixelmator, beloved graphic editing and photo editing application for the Mac. So Pixelmator Photo, which is different than Pixelmator Pro, the application you can get on, on Mac and iPad and all that. Pixelmator Photo is going to a subscription model on iOS. Previously, it was $8, a one-time purchase. If you had purchased it before, you are grandfathered in. But now there'll be a price change to $5 a month, $24 a year, and a lifetime purchase option of $55. Again, this is different than Pixelmator Pro. I imagine probably in the near future, we'll also go to this subscription-based model. And I just wanted to take this moment to say, you know, I, there's always a lot of feelings when an app goes to subscription-based. Thankfully, many apps choose to grandfather in previous users who have paid for the service if it was like a one-time purchase. I am glad that Pixelmator chose to do a lifetime option for this app. Mm. And $55 for life of an application as good as that Pixelmator makes I don't think is unreasonable. And so totally get it, especially, you know, to provide those ongoing updates to a user base and all that, you know, try to keep it in mind. You're supporting of a developer. If you can, if it's an app you use all the time, if Pixelmator Pro said you either have to move to subscription or, you know, a lifetime purchase $100 or more. I mean, I would do the lifetime purchase probably uh, if you could, but yeah, you know, it's when it's a really quality application, it's worth it. You know, even if you're going to pay $5 a month, I think support the developer. My first thought was uh, I misunderstood. I thought it was Pixelmator Pro and I used that a hundred times a day, slight exaggeration, probably only 80 times a day. <laughs> and that going to subscription uh, until I then read, uh, well, obviously read that it's Pixelmator Photo, which I have and I've reviewed, but I don't tend to use. So uh, happy for me. But then the, what you said then, the lifetime option, as soon as you hear of any app in a set going to subscription, you think it's a trial and they'll try the others at some point. If they do, and there's a lifetime option on the same as you for Pixelmator Pro, I will buy it for lifetime use. So yeah. Give them some cash up front. Uh, actually, if you have a look at the Pixelmator blog about this, they've really broken down why they've done it. And although it's specific about them, it talks about really it's the whole industry and what drives right what and how it works and uh, they make a very strong case for how uh it is actually a benefit to us as users as well as a benefit to the developer yeah it's so, really detailed read absolutely yes well we'll link of course to the article anyway last thing listener al sakali he actually messaged me on twitter and he had a suggestion or a request basically he really loves using focus modes especially muting notifications on his mac like if he's going to do a zoom call or other phone call i think this is a great idea because there's not necessarily an automatic way to enable a focus mode per calendar event. You do sometimes get these series suggestions like on the lock screen of your devices because it's connected to your calendar. It could say, do you want to turn on do not disturb for the next hour? But, and I checked this, <clears throat> it's not currently an option, but I would love for calendar event to be a trigger for a focus mode or a series shortcut, which you can then enable a focus mode through a shortcut and I mean, I would do that maybe even for this podcast to say when it hits time to record. Let us conjure up new time saving tricks together. And you get to <laughs> Did you hear that, William? Are you hearing that? That's what you would avoid. Yes, exactly. That kind of thing. Wow. My old HomePod just shouted at me. I, I guess I said, <laughs> I said Siri shortcut. I guess I have to whisper it. I said Siri shortcut. I didn't think I said, hey, Siri. Uh... Anyway, okay. My Siri just yelled at me. Anyway, I think calendar event would be a great trigger for focus modes and automation. So that was a great suggestion. and. I don't know, maybe we'll see that hopefully soon. Hope, hope more. Although, um, if he does uh, Zoom calls on his iPhone or his iPad, then he's already got this feature because shortcuts on iOS and iPadOS, launching an app can be a trigger. So oh, as soon as you true. launch Zoom, 
it could set off any shortcut you like. That I know that isn't the same on the Mac, but you know, shortcuts have come to the Mac. One imagines all, I don't believe it's on the Mac though. I've used it on the iPhone, so I know. And that's one of the things where hopefully it comes soon, but automations is not anything on the Mac. There is no automations ah, menu. You, you can't go. do any automation triggers on the Mac for app opening or Wi-Fi, like none. And so really hoping that comes soon because that would be huge. Automations on the Mac for when you open an app for times of day, yeah. any of that would be wonderful. Although, what about Keyboard Maestro? I wonder if <laughs> there is a thing... Oh, I've got to try this. Um, yes, William's fleet of Mac utilities. <laughs> yeah, he might have an answer Yes, using his okay. many, many utilities. Sorry, I know the answer. Keyboard Maestro will do it. Okay. Uh, Keyboard Maestro for the Mac, incredibly powerful. It can be triggered by the launching uh, of an app. So it won't do that calendar thing that I found yet, but when you open Zoom, it could automatically cause focus mode to be switched on. There you go. Well, there you go. William answered it for you. Keyboard Maestro. I'll put a link to Keyboard Maestro in the show notes as well. Let us know, listeners, what should the name be of William and my uh, crime show, our crime podcast. Uh, we'd love to, know, <laughs> love to know your suggestions. You can tweet at William and I. Those are in the show notes. Leave us a five-star rating and review for a shout-out at the top of the show. We'd love that. And support us. Thank you to the many paid supporters of the Apple Insider Show, both on Patreon and directly on Apple Podcasts, getting us in those top 100 channels, which is wonderful. We really appreciate it. Mm. So again, thank you all, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>